7th verse. I'm going to read verses 7 and 8, and I'm going to let you be seated, okay? Here's how it reads. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou, Joshua, you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, verse 8, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. So fear not, neither be dismayed. So many promises and such a strong word to one man that had a destiny that God had set before him. Very simply today, I want to preach to you just for a little while to be strong and courageous. Look at your neighbor right now. Come on, you're going to help me preach. You didn't know he was going to be a preacher today, did you? Come on, turn to somebody right now. Put a smile on your face. Don't, don't look at him mean. Put a smile on your face. And tell him, say, be strong and courageous. Now turn to somebody on the other side with that same smile and a spirit of encouragement and tell them, be strong. Come on, let me hear you say it. Be strong and courageous. Amen. Lay your Bibles down. Would you lift your hands to heaven? Let's ask the Lord to help us receive the word of the Lord today. Father, we thank you, Lord. You are so good and so gracious to us. Already, God, you have been in this house. You've spoken to us in our classes. God, you have moved in our lives. The worship, Lord, has invited you, and you have come, and you have ministered and prepared our heart for your word. Now, Lord, open it up to our mind and our understanding so that not only that we hear it with our ears, but we hear it with our heart. And it explodes into the very practical and personal word that it needs to be in our own individual lives. We praise you for that right now in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Would you clap your hands and let's praise him for his word today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word, God, forever settled in heaven. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated here this morning. It is if you know the story of Joshua, it was the beginning of a great journey that he would set out on. He had a destiny that was placed before him. Today, many times we'd say, well, he had a calling. God had a plan for him. He had things for him to do. He had assignments and anointing and power and resources that he was going to place into the hands of this very young leader. He was in a moment of transition. The old leader, Moses, was going off the scene. He, had, he was 120 years old. Maybe it's time to retire after 120. I don't know. But he was old, and he said, I can't go out, and I can't come in. And so in this transition to this young leader by the name of Joshua, the destination remained the same that God had given to the forefathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the command that God had given to Moses to lead God's people out of Egypt into what was called the promised land, that Promised land, we could spend a lot of time talking about that, but it was a place of promised blessing. It was a place that they were promised that they would prosper there. 
It was a place that they were promised by God himself that they would grow in that land, that they would be victorious and successful in that land, that, that they would have resources there that they didn't even have to work for. God specifically told them, said, you'll have wine, you have vineyards that you didn't plant, and you'll have houses that you didn't build, and I'm going to have you walk into a land that is already set up for your success. It was a future that every Israelite looked towards, and on the face of it, on the face of it, it sounded all positive. Don't you agree? Sounds all pretty good if God walks to you today and he says, look, I've got this place I want you to go in your life. I've got this destination that I would like you to pursue with your life. And it's blessing and it's prosperity. And, and you know, in Bible terms, they said it flows with milk and honey. It's the best of the best. You're going to grow there. Your family's going to grow there. And, and you're going to have blessing and all the resources that you need. This is your future. If there was a sign up for that in the foyer, I'm telling you, there'd be a mob. Come on now, be honest. There'd be a mob that'd say, let's not gather around and fellowship after service. I've got blessing to sign up for. I've got milk and honey that I am going towards. Anybody? Would anybody sign up for that? Amen. I would too. So, but here's the thing. Joshua was, was charged with the task of taking an entire nation into this promised land. Overwhelming to say the least, because it wasn't just a couple of people. It wasn't just 120, 150 that are here today. He was organizing millions of people. Can you imagine? Joshua, I got a place for you to go, and I've got something for you to do, and you're going to have to move all these people. You're going to have to be the, 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 the buck is going to stop with you, Joshua. You're going to organize them, and, and you're going to have to develop an army because there's going to be a little bit of fighting and fighting that you're going to have to deal with when you go to this promised land and take it over. When Considering all the obstacles that it had been in the past, because don't forget, don't forget Joshua was there in the wilderness, if you know that story. The wilderness of how the children of Israel, the previous generation that said we can't go there. They, the previous generation that said, no, it's too hard. The previous generation that declared to Moses, the Bible said they were stiff-necked. It uses that word. They were rebellious. They were hard to deal with. And so Joshua had grown up with that. Anybody ever grown up with, with hard-headedness? Come on, don't point at anybody here today. But you've grown up with hard-headedness. Joshua saw all that. He saw Moses' successes, and he saw Moses' failures. And so, yes, it looked like blessing, but i got to tell you, it also had to look overwhelming. And so God had to, at that transition point, that watershed moment, God had to give him a simple message that would change the dynamics of everything that he faced. It would change his outlook when he heard the words that God would speak to him through the prophet Moses. He would tell him, here it is, very simple, be strong and courageous. Be strong, you, be strong and courageous. 
courageous. If you define those words, they're, they're like many Hebrew words that have multiple, multiple meanings. But in this context, that word strong means to confirm, be constant, continue, encourage yourself, be established, Joshua, fasten yourself to your destiny, Fortify yourself with what's in front of you. Harden yourself to the task. Help yourself. Take hold of this thing and withstand. Everybody say, be strong. That's a lot in one word, isn't it? Well, there's a lot in courageous, too. That word means to be alert physically or mentally, to be steadfastly minded, to fortify your mind, to harden your mind, to increase, to prevail, and strengthen yourself. He told Joshua to do that. I've got a destination for you, but you also have a task in this. You've got to strengthen yourself. You've got to be courageous. Be denotes something that he had to do. He had to determine within himself and declare within himself that he would have strength and he would have courage to pursue after what God said he could have. It wasn't something that God was saying he was going to give him, but it was something he was going to have because God was with him. It wasn't that God was just going to baptize him and, and he was a weakling and a wimp and sniveling and afraid and God just kind of boom, dumped something on him. No, he said, Joshua, you're going to have to be strong and strengthen yourself and encourage yourself because you know one thing, you are not by yourself. I am with you. And if you were by yourself, then you probably ought to run and go take care of some sheep somewhere in a wilderness. But because I'm with you, it changes the dynamics of everything. I'm just telling and rising in the day to preach to somebody. God has a destiny for you. There's a promised land in your future. Yes, there's a place of blessing. There's a place of victory. There's a place of strength. And it may look overwhelming because of what you're facing now. But Joshua, listen to this preacher. There's a God up in heaven that says you're not by yourself. You're not alone. He said, it's the Lord. It's he that doth go like this before you. Listen, you know what? As parents, as parents, did you ever have to clean up messes of your kids? When it was little, it was just milk. When they got older, it was speeding tickets. And financial things. Come on, somebody. You had to clean up after because they were making, and you wished, you wished that you could go before them and you could blind the eyes of the cop or, or make sure and keep them from stumbling at that time. But parents, we can't do, we're always after the fact. Here's what's great about your heavenly father. He goes before you. He's already ahead of you. He wouldn't call you to some place you've never been that he's not already there. Look at your neighbor right now and say, he's already where he's leading me. Joshua was on this journey, and so are you. You are on a journey. You have a promised land with a place and a blessing and a promise of new life. 
You have a promised land with a place and a blessing that God says, I will prosper you. It's a place where you will be well. It's a place where you will be victorious. It's a place where you will be fulfilled. I believe there's not a person under the sound of my voice that God does not desire to be redeemed into his kingdom. There's not anybody that he doesn't want to save. There's nobody here that God doesn't want you to grow in relationship with him and know him in his power. There is nobody here that God doesn't already have a plan for you to impact the world. Did you hear what I said? There's a purpose in front of you. There's a plan in front of you. There's a promised land. There's a promised land that God's trying to take you to. In a lot of ways, we're just a bunch of Joshua's. And we've got the same instruction that God gave Joshua. Have courage and have strength. But here's, here's the bad news if there's any. Peter told us in the New Testament, we have an adversary that yells and makes noise as loud as a lion. And he's constantly on the prowl, seeking who he can devour. Or allow me to say, seeking who he can divert from their destiny. Looking to find those that will give him 30 seconds of their attention. Just a moment of their time. Because when God is involved, the devil can't stop what God's doing. I'm sorry, that's just where I camp out. That's where I am. If God says it's going to happen, there's not a devil in hell that can stand against it. The only thing that's going to stop the progress of God in my life is if I'm deceived. To believe a lie that the devil tells me about what God said I could have. To believe a lie that says I'm too weak. A lie that says I can't make it. A lie that says there's too much against me. Oh, what did the Bible say? The devil's a liar and the father of all lying. It's just a bunch of lies. I can be strong. I can be courageous. I can follow after what God said I could have. Peter said we have an adversary. Because Satan wants to stop the work of God in you. I don't care where you're at in that journey. I don't care if you've taken two steps. The devil doesn't want you to take step number three. I don't care if you've been stepping for years. You're a seasoned stepper. You know what the devil wants to do? Stop your next one. Stop the progress. And do it however he can, whatever it takes, to distract and to... Deceive. There's an adversary. But there's an answer to the adversary. Aren't you glad? See, God doesn't leave you all by yourself. Paul would tell us in Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand. Woo! I feel like I need a stomp right there, all right? That you may be able to stand against what? The wiles of the devil. Because you are not wrestling contrary to popular belief in your life. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You're not wrestling against people. You're not wrestling against... 
things of this world, but there are principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world. There's spiritual wickedness that is trying to divert you from the destiny that God has for you, from truth in your life, from consecration in your life, from service in your life. The devil wants to take you out of all of it. He doesn't want you anywhere near God. If he can drive in a wedge, he'll drive in a wedge. He doesn't care if it's a person. He doesn't care if it's an idea. He doesn't care if it's a feeling. He'll use anything he can to divert you from your destiny. But let me say it one more time. He's a liar. Yeah, he is. You know what wiles are? The wiles. Anybody use that word? I never use that word. Wiles. You know what the wiles of the devil are? It's trickery. It's not power. It's not authority. It's tricks. Tricks in the form of lying in wait and setting traps. One version said all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Another version said all the schemes of the devil. Paul spoke in 2 Corinthians, he said, listen, we gotta make sure we forgive one another. Don't, get, don't even let him get in because lest Satan should get an advantage of us. He said, because we are not ignorant of his devices. You know what that word means? A perception. The devil is doing his best to fake you out of your fortune doing his best to deceive you out of your destiny. And he's got strategies. Oh, he's smart. He's got strategies. He's got schemes. He's got all kinds of plans. And if plan A won't work, he'll go to plan B, C, D, E, F. He will never stop. But you've got something to fight with. It's called the whole armor of God. Despite all his efforts, here's my message. You can be strong and courageous. You can be strong because God is with you. You can be courageous because God is with you. You can continue. Let me just tell somebody that's thinking about quitting right now. You can continue. Let me talk to somebody that thinks they're not going to win. You will and can prevail. Let me talk to somebody that feels really weak here this morning. Strengthen yourself. Confirm. Be constant. Encourage. Be alert. Mentally, steadfastly minded. How do I do that? Paul laid it out for us. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, you may be able to stand in the day. Verse 14. Stand therefore. How? Having your loins, the middle of you girt or surrounded about with truth, having on, and he, he starts this allegory of a Roman soldier's outfit. He says, have, have, have your breastplate of righteousness, and, and your feet, they, they're, they're shod, they're, they're covered with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, he says, like that, that Roman soldier I see over there, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He said, you want to stand in the middle of his schemes, then you make sure you hold on to truth, you make sure you hold on to righteousness, you make sure you hold on to the gospel of peace, you make sure you hold on to faith, you make sure that you hold on 
on to salvation and you make sure you hold on to the word of God. And here's what he says. I'm telling you, that sort of thing allows you to stand in the greatest conflict Shatari, the greatest conflict that Satan could ever give you cannot stand up against the preparation and the power and the demonstration and the protection of those things. And so for the sake of time today, because I know you've been here for a while, and 30 minutes is good enough for a good one and too long for a bad one. So let me just categorize these things. Here's what I think Paul's telling you, and this is just a summary way to look at it. You can be strong and courageous when you adopt the undeniable fact of God's promises. You can. Everybody say, I can. Here's how I can be strong. Here's why I can be strong and courageous, because I have adopted the undeniable fact of God's Promises. Think of what Paul said in truth and the sword of the Spirit, which he said is the word of God. What did Jesus say about truth? He prayed over us in John 17. He said, Lord, sanctify them. Everybody say, I'm the them. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. And then he said, thy word is truth. You know what? Of all the comments I made today, of everything that I could tell you, the best I can really give you is the word of God. If all I did was get up here and read scripture, it'd be okay. You want to know why? Because the word of God is all that you need. When you've got a word from God, when it is in your heart, in your mind, there is nothing that could stand against it. It is the word of God that even framed the worlds together. So listen, when you've got the word, you've got something powerful. Woo! That's not just words written in ink somewhere. Come on, he is his word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Listen, when that word comes out of your mouth, you speak him over everything that you're facing. Israel, they had a word from God. Yes, they did. Here's what he said in verse 3. We didn't read it, but he said to the people, he said, the Lord thy God, he will go before thee, sound familiar? He will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord has said. And the Lord shall do unto them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Ammonites, and into the land of them whom he destroyed. You see what God was doing is he was pointing back to a time when they had to fight even in the wilderness to get where they were. And he pointed back to that and he said, do you remember when the Amorites rose up against you? Do you remember how I brought you through that and gave you victory? Do you remember that? Do you know like I did to them, I'll do to everybody that is in front of you. I will destroy every opposition that places itself in front of the destiny that I have declared for your life. Does that sound good to anybody? Does it sound good to anybody? I'm not talking about people now, but for your life and your promised land. Can you think of the things that have hindered and gotten your way? They've gotten your way. You tried to do something for God. You wanted to do something for God. Some of you had obstacles just getting here today. 
God said, I'll take them one, I'll go before you, and I'll put leaders in your life, and I'll, they'll go before you, and one by one, they'll pluck those, ob- pluck those obstacles out of your way. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God's people have promises. God's people have promises. Now listen, don't get caught up with Peter here. Listen to what he said, 2 Peter 1 and 3. He said, as his divine power has given to us, listen, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everybody say all things. By his divine power, he's given us everything we need through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, through the promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature. What does that do? It escapes the corruption that is in the world. Second Corinthians 1 and 20 says, For all the promises of God in him, in Christ, are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, y'all didn't get enough, you didn't get excited enough on that. You did not hear what that said. All, everybody say, God's people has got promises, exceeding great promises. God-given promises. And here's what God said about his promises. All my promises are yes. Oh, you pitiful, jaded people. Somebody's lied to you before, haven't they? Somebody's promised something to you before and they didn't come through. Somebody promised you they'd be in your life for the rest of your life and they walked out on you. Somebody, they didn't hold up their end of a promise. Listen, don't you put that human on God. God is a God that does not lie. He does not change. Every promise, every promise, every promise is yes, it's yes, it's yes. It's going to happen. He does not lie. And then the next part says, and in them, they are amen. You know what that tells me, Brother Aaron? That tells me I can't just stand around and say, well, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. He said he would. He said he would. He said he would. There's got to be an amen that comes from me. Anybody see that? Anybody see that? And then they are yes. They're confirmed, but they're also Amen. So be it. I'm I'm just telling somebody right now, you ought to amen God. If you won't amen me, you ought to amen God in your life. You ought to tell God, I believe everything in that book that you said I could have. I believe everything in that book that you said I could be. I believe everywhere in that book you said I could go. Come on, somebody say amen. Somebody said not to me, to him. Somebody say amen to the promises of God. Somebody say amen. So it is, it is the truth that holds us together. And then he talked about the spirit. One version of, of the scripture said it's the sword of the spirit that wields the word of God. Uses the spirit. Uses the word of God. I can't help but think of Jesus. You're like, I, I just don't know how... For, for all you folks that just don't know how to face your obstacles, let me give you a good role model. Jesus. It's like Sunday school. He's the answer to every question. Jesus. 
The Bible said he was led into the wilderness to be tempted. And I'm not going to go through the whole story except to tell you that the devil offered and threw at him everything that could have detoured him as the man that he was. Everything. He offered him glamour and power and authority. Just everything that the devil could offer. But in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus, he said, you could turn these stones of bread. And Jesus said, mm, it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every... He is quoting, quoting Psalms. Quoting scripture. He, he was the first original Bible quizzer. He buzzed in. Man. If you know what Bible quizzing is, stick around. Talk to Phil and Jessica Melder and talk to Alan and Leslie Smith. They'll tell you what Bible quizzing is. He buzzed in and says, nope, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Fail. So the devil hits him again. He buzzes it again. It is written. Thou shalt not, Timmy said, just throw yourself down because you're, the word that you're quoting says it's, his angels have charge of you. You won't even dash your foot against a stone and they'll lift you up. He said, no, 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 it is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He takes him to a high mountain and says all of this, I will give to you. And by, by the, the fall of man, he had authority. He was the prince of this world. He said, I'll give it all to you. I'll give it all to you, the man Christ Jesus, if you will bow down and worship me. But I like this one. Jesus put the smack down on him. Look at him and say, Jesus smacked him down. Come on, tell him. He looked at the devil for the last time and he said, away with you, Satan. Because it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall thou serve. You know what the next verse says? The devil left him. That was a good place to say amen. Come on, every time he came back to him with the word, and he finally got so frustrated and said, I could do something if he would think with me. I could do something if he entertained my thoughts. I could do something if he'd question himself. But every time he comes, he comes with that word, and I can't do anything with the word, so I'll just go away. Let me just tell you, I don't know how long the devil talked. He talks a long time sometimes to me. He's constantly, come on, anybody else? Can I just be honest? I mean, he's constantly just coming back again and again. I thought I only already dealt with this. Come back again and again. He's got a lot to say. But honey, let me tell you something. 51 words later, 51 words of Jesus speaking, and the devil ran with his tail tucked between his legs. I'm just telling you, it doesn't take a whole lot of the word of God to turn the devil on his tail. You gotta fight with the word. God. Because you can be strong and courageous when you accept the undeniable fact of God's promises. And strong and courageous people, they have enough confidence to take that next right step. Paul said you got to have faith, have, have your feet wrapped with the gospel of peace, and put the breastplate of righteousness on. He declared righteousness, his declared righteousness over you, and your right decisions in him. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Another version says, and you choose for your feet, having put on a readiness that is given to you by the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which can quench the fiery darts of the devil. There's nothing worse than someone that is unsure of their steps. And if you don't think Satan doesn't see that, you ever been walking down the street and say, 
Something's wrong with that one. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's alcohol. I don't know if it's drugs or some sort of other instability. But sometimes you can just see by the way that people walk. Come on now. Because unsteady steps are easy to see. If you've ever seen someone not confident where they're going, usually it's because a lot of times, even it's not a, it's not a drug or anything else, you've stepped unstably when you weren't real sure about the stability that was underneath you. Anybody ever walked over a pile of stuff? Anybody ever stepped on a Lego? <laughs> Talk about unsteady steps. Uh, yeah. Not confident of the stability underneath them. Not confident in themselves. Anybody have balance issues? Vertigo, you ever heard of vertigo? I'm getting old. If I've been over time, my shoes, I gotta step up and wait 30 seconds for the room to clear so I can actually get up and walk again. Come on, all the old people say amen. Unstable steps sometimes. How about when you're injured? People have injuries or they have surgery. You see them, you know, they, they step, but it's gingerly because there's not a lot of confidence in there. And the reason is because both physically and spiritually, you step different when you're hurt. You step different when you're insecure. You step different when you're unsteady. And though Satan may try and want every one of your and my steps to be unsure, I'm here to give you a message today that says you don't have to break down, you don't have to stumble, you don't have to make your way and find your way forward. There's a confident next step that God has for you and you have the ability to make it with confidence and courage. The Lord, he is he that's going to go before you, will be with you, will not fail thee, neither forsake thee or fear not. And then he, he says, don't be dismayed. You know what that word means? It means don't break down. Don't break down. God's involvement breeds confidence, courage, and strength. You can be strong. You can move in the right direction. You can take the, ne take the next right step. You may not know all the steps. Hello, come on, somebody. You may not understand. You're like, I got, I got this idea where God wants me to go, but I don't know. I need the path. I need it all. God says, here's what you need. You need the next step. Well, that just, just died right there, didn't it? You don't need to know everything, all you control freaks. You don't need to know everything. Listen, I say it because I'm one of them. I, one of my biggest struggles is, God, I believe you're going to do it, but I need all the steps, and I need them right now. I'm just, let me preach to me. Brad, here's what you need. You need the next right step, and when you get there, just be patient. There's going to be another step that's right behind it. You need a confidence and a faith that says, I believe God, no matter what, no matter what I'm seeing, no matter what I'm experiencing, no matter what my circumstances are, I believe God. It's a readiness by the gospel that's been poured into my heart. There's a stability in the believer's life because they've come to the fountain of living waters. They know the power of God and the Holy Ghost in their life. That's why our elders sing that old song, leaning leaning what safe and secure from all alarms then that verse said what do I have to dread come on where's my old timers at what do I have to fear 
When I'm leaning on the everlasting, I've got blessed peace. Why? Because my Lord is so near, and I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. You can be strong and courageous and take the next right step. And then lastly, let me come to a close and tell you, you can be strong and courageous when you have the correct view of your end result. One of the things that Paul said that, that beat back the wiles and the schemes of the devil was the helmet of salvation. I thought they were going to get on it in class, and they kind of got there, but they left this little nugget for me. Thank you. Because I started studying that word salvation. And the theme of the word salvation in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, again, Hebrew and Greek words can mean lots of things, but the, the overall theme, the backdrop of that word is the word deliverance. Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So you've got to understand, this helmet is about deliverance. We're told to put on a helmet of salvation, of deliverance. Here's what he told me. He said, I'm taking you into a land that the Lord, Lord has sworn unto your fathers to give them. And Joshua, you're going to cause your people to inherit it. The goal for Joshua and Israel was not just to eat good grapes in a new home. The goal of Joshua and Israel was to take the promised land that God said they could have. Can I tell you respectfully, kindly, and cheerfully, that is ours also. Our end result is not to have happiness in Bloomington, Illinois. I heard so many bad things about Bloomington, Illinois in my class today. I'm depressed to even live here. But let me tell you something. This is not my home. This is not where I'm going to end up. I've got a hope for eternal life that goes past Illinois. It goes past the United States. It's out of this world. I got to tell you that the promised land is not somewhere on this planet. It's on a world to come. And I've decided I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be courageous. And I'm going to go there. The Old Testament and New Testament, the same connotation, deliverance. Salvation is about being delivered to eternal life. So I have not been delivered yet. I'm in the process of being delivered. You know, when I get the letter, the letter's mine when the postmaster or the postman puts it in my mailbox and delivers it. The Lord is going to deliver his people out of this world. So don't get caught up with that house that you're so concerned about. Don't you get caught up with that job and all the things around here. I'm not telling you to come and move to the church and wear white robes and live in tents. Don't do that. If you do, you do it by yourself. I ain't coming. But I am going to tell you, you can get wrapped up in this world. And you can, get to, you can start looking at your relationship with God as all he's there to do is to make your life down here better. No, ladies and gentlemen, that's a byproduct. That's a byproduct. My job, my job is not to tell you that Jesus is trying to make you happy. Jesus is trying to make you holy so you can go home with him and you can be in heaven. He's got a job and a desire to deliver you to your promised land. I want you to stand with me here. Paul, he, he summed this all up in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15. He said, behold, 
I show you mystery. He said, not everybody knows this. We shall not all sleep. Talking about being dead, if you didn't know. So we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be Somebody say, new body. I mean, don't be smarter and nasty, but look at somebody next to you and say, that's good news for you. Shall be raised incorruptible. For this corruptible, how I am now, must, whew, I love these words, must I'd follow Jesus and my faith is intact to my last dying breath. There's something that's got to happen. Whether anybody wants it to or not, this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. And when that happens, when the corruptible shall put on incorruption and the mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that Old Testament scripture, death is swallowed up in victory. Then Paul gets real, he gets real smart, Alec. He said, oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a promise to you. But then he goes on and he says, therefore, because you know that. Because you know that fact that your corruptible has got to put on an incorruption. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For much, so much as you know that your labor, every bit of ounce of energy that you put into this walk, every time it was hard, every time it was difficult, it wasn't in vain. You're on your way to a promised land. You can be strong and courageous when you have the correct view of your end result. It's a simple message. I'm just telling somebody, you don't have to quit. You have the ability to continue to be steadfast, consistent, constant, always making the right steps, the next right steps. You can be strong. You can be courageous. You can still trust in the promises of God. You can stand on them. You can keep your eyes on eternity because you're on a journey. You're on a journey to a promised land. And this pastor is only trying to tell you, keep going. I don't care where you're at. I don't care if it's two steps. Take step number three. You keep going. Don't you stop. Be encouraged. I come to encourage you today. The Lord's come to encourage you today. He's come to tell you, you're not by yourself. You can't fail. You can't go backwards. I'm with you. I've already gone before you. I just need you to come on. I need you to keep coming. I need you to get out of that seat and come to an altar today. I need you to make your calling and your election sure. I, some of you may come to the altar and said, there's not a whole lot going on in my life, but I just want to make sure God knows I'm still in this thing. I still believe in his promises. Come on, somebody walk towards your promised land. It's figurative. It's not real, but come on, just walk towards your promised land at an altar today. Come with a prayer on your lips. Jesus, 
Jesus, I'm going to decide today I'll be strong. I'll be courageous. I'm going to believe you. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to give up. Come on, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm still right here. You may have walked away, but I was always right here. I was with you every bit of the way. Come on, be strong. Be strong. Be courageous. The Lord's with you. Come on, let's worship as we pray. Let's worship.